0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Power of Peace podcast with Kit Cummings. I'm Kit, uh, founder and president of the Power of Peace Project. Among other things, we work in schools, juvenile courts, and juvenile jails and prisons, trying to help kids that are kind of getting off track to get back on track and build a pathway to their dreams. Today is a show I've been really looking forward to. Um, First, I want to talk about the U.S. prison industrial complex locking up people is big business in america we have four percent of the world's population and we lock up 25 percent of the world's incarcerated we've got one third going in with non-violent charges but two-thirds coming out having learned to be violent as prison is a place where you know even those that get caught up in non-violent charges you've got to learn how to protect yourself in these prisons in 1980, there were 200,000 people locked up in the land of the free. Fast forward to the year 2000, it was 2 million, and that was by design. The war on drugs, the war on crime, whatever we get, uh, go to war on, it lasts. And so we've been fighting this battle, and it's getting worse. We're getting to the point, the first time in our history as a nation where the average age of the inmate is at 25 and it's getting younger. We're filling up our prisons with young people and poor people and minorities. We've got a situation where um, we're building almost as many prisons as we are schools. And so we test our third and fourth graders on their literacy. Can they read and write? And based on those scores, it tell us how many prisons to build. And that's a fact. We've got A hundred billion dollar industry that we're going up against and our mission at the Power of Peace Project is to shatter the school-to-prison pipeline. Today I've got a guest. There's a, a place called Eastman Juvenile Correctional down in kind of middle Georgia and I go down there on Wednesdays and spend time with what the state would say and what people would say are the toughest kids in the state of Georgia. It's the toughest juvenile prison. Now, you might ask, why am I going there? Twelve years ago, I got invited into a prison, and I was in a dreamless state of life, and I was trying to find, after having one career kind of end, and another one hadn't really begun, I was trying to find myself. I was a preacher without a pulpit, and to tell you the truth, my ministry had not ended well, and it wasn't something I was trying to do again. I wasn't trying to preach again. And if you watched our first podcast, I told the story about the drunken, fallen preacher that found his way back through a bunch of unlikely characters in prisons across America on four continents. And so I started at Georgia's worst maximum security prison in the state, and that led to over a hundred prisons and jails across the country and around the world. But the more that I got involved in working with the incarcerated, especially adults. The brothers on the inside behind the wire kept wanting me to go to the kids. We had started a program which brings prison rivals together four days at a time and teaches them how to resolve conflict in a way where they can do good time and not get locked down and hurt. And it worked so well that it spread to other prisons. But these men behind the wire that were finding peace themselves, they got sons and grandsons and little brothers and nephews, and they kept saying, man, you got to go to the kids. you got to go to the kids. And so along the way that's what i started doing going to the schools the courts and especially the jails and prisons eastman i've been there for a little over a year and it's changed my life and today i get a chance to do something i haven't done before there's a young man that i met at eastman while he was incarcerated and we talked about how we were going to do some things uh, on the other side when he got back to the free world a lot of young men make a lot of promises and tell me, I'm going to hook you up and we're going to get together and I want to do this and that. But I'll be honest, there's not a lot to actually follow through. Well, this young man, he followed through. And so today we're going to talk about this prison industrial complex and especially how it's affecting our youth from someone who's been there and done that. So I want to introduce my young friend, Mr. Marquez Lattimore. Good to see you, sir. Good to
1: Thanks see you, Thanks for being too. on
0: the Power of Peace show. Thank you, son. Now, did we not say we were going to do this?
1: Yes, we said we Like, we, we gonna.
0: said we were going to do this, didn't yes. we? And I want to tell everybody where, and then we're going to talk about, you know, this fascinating life and this fascinating young man. So I'm at Eastman, right? And I would do my circles. Remember the circles? And for those that are watching, we have like 12 or 15 young men in a circle, and we talk about life. We talk about some deep stuff. And so I see kids come and go. Sometimes kids are being shipped in from other places, and then sometimes kids are going home. So the circles have, you know, some usual suspects, but then every now and then you get a new kid that's come in. And it's interesting to see how the new kid responds to the toughest prison in the state, really, for kids, young men. And a lot of times kids come in, and it is not easy. <laughs> you know that.
1: Yeah, it ain't easy and, that.
0: Uh, and here comes Marquez, man. I don't know him, and all of a sudden he's sitting in my circle. He's a new kid. And when I say, <laughs> you didn't look at me, you looked through me. I mean, you were like, I mean, <laughs> you were I drilling old through me. But I knew that you were somebody because of the way that, uh, that the other bu- the boys treated you. And they treated you with respect. And what did I, I asked you a question the first time I said you, yeah. I said, have, have you always had people tell you that you're a, what did I say? A hero a old an
1: <laughs> old soul, that was an one. Old soul. soul. but
0: I, that's good though cause you said the hero yeah, but um anyway, introduce yourself, man, and uh you know tell us a little bit about yourself, just where you're from and then I'll tell more about you
1: um my name is Marquez Lattimore, and I'm 19 years old. I just recently got out of detention of juvenile justice um I was incarcerated for two years and six months um how old are you? Nineteen.
0: Nineteen. Nineteen. Now, that's why I remember the first time I ever walked up on you, yeah, I shook your hand. Because I try to get to you know all the, all the boys, but especially someone that looks like he has influence. I mean, I'm not stupid. If I can get close to the guys that have the most influence, then I can have the most influence on the yeah. other ones. Leadership. And I walked up and I said, man, you're an old soul. Have you ever heard that? And you were like, yeah, everybody tell me that since I was a yeah. little boy. You know what that means? Yes, sir. It's like you've been around. You know, you're, you're more mature than your age. You know been what I'm saying? been here before. You've been there before. And I want to also remind you of something that um, I was, we were kind of in the same uh, room, and we were waiting for all the other brothers to come in. Yeah, I remember that. And then you were sitting there and chopping it up with one of the other guys that I really like a lot, and he's out now too. And I heard this, and it stopped me. You know, it got my attention because I heard you say, man, when I get out, I don't want to be the man that I used to be, you know, and I, that got my attention. I said, what do you want to do? He said, yeah. I want to do something different, you know what I'm saying? And then there was another time we were standing out in the yard, we were watching all these boys do all this kind of stuff, and I was just getting to know you. I said, what are you trying to do when you get out? And it seems like you told me that day, I want to be a motivational speaker. I want to get out and help Do so, You remember that?
1: I remember that. I remember that. What
0: did we do this morning?
1: We went out and spoke to the children who people felt like wasn't worthy enough or things of that nature. And we helped them, inspired them to keep going and face the challenges that everyday people go through. Did
0: you, you did you do a motivational speech this morning? Yes, I you did. You know what that makes I you? A, a motivational, motivational speaker. speaker. Did you get paid for doing that? Yes, sir. Now you're a professional motivational. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh man, but tell me tell me just a little bit about like um, what was life like for you growing up? You know, where did you grow up and kind of, I mean, was it tough? Did you guys have or not have? I mean, tell us a little bit about Quez. Okay.
1: So I grew up in Columbus, Georgia. Columbus, Georgia is one of the known for gang violence, you know, shootings and killings and robbers and things of that nature everywhere, but it's a high capacity there. Growing up, My mom had a car, but she had to work two jobs, like IHOP and Waffle House and things of that nature. So she really ain't have too much time to, she had to work. So by the time we come home from school, it's time to do our homework, eat, and it's time to go to sleep and start for the next day. So a lot of times when my mom was at work, I'd go to the recreation center where they play basketball, they got the playgrounds, they got the pool tables and things of that nature. So growing up, I never really had a father figure. My dad wasn't there, so it was nobody but my mom. So it was kind of hard. You know, as you turn 12 years old, 13, you start to grow into puberty. You start to try to find yourself, like, hey, what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? Growing up in that type of neighborhood, that type of environment, I never seen anything else. I never was able to go out of town or go to Florida or Atlanta or, you know, Texas or anything of that nature. So all I knew is what what I was closed in was the environment, or they called the hood. With all that being said, we used to look up to, like, NFL players and stuff like that because I used to look up to Michael Jordan. But people used to always tell me at school and older folks would be like, people from the hood never get drafted. You ain't never going to be able to do that and things of that nature. Then when you playing basketball, sometimes the coach don't even put you in. So how are you going to be able to go D1 or anything like that if you, you can't even get put in the game in middle school? <laughs> so you know you you already losing faith saying, Nah, I ain't gonna be able to go to the NBA. So what you gonna start looking up to next? Next you gonna start looking up to the circle that you in. You know, drug dealers, you know, stuff like that. Drug dealers in our hood is leaders to us because they got money, they got females, they got everything that a black man desire, I should say. So growing up and seeing them, they got money, they got cars, so I'm thinking, I want want some money and I want some cars too. My mama already struggling. She on section eight. She getting eviction notice. She barely making the bill. She got to pay more because she got to come back and pay some more because she ain't got the money on time. Then food stamp, you know, food stamp do pretty good, but it ain't really doing too much because they end up changing and stuff like that. Then you know you need Wi-Fi. We couldn't even get cable no more. So we start going to like Netflix and stuff like that, trying to make ends meet, but it really wasn't working sometimes. We only was able to eat, like, noodles and what they call it? like, little ravioli. I love ravioli. <laughs> Things like that. So it just came kind of hard. And then my mama had me when I was 14 years old. So it kind of made it like I'm her oldest child, so we always bonded together. Like a 14-year-old raising a young man like me is going to be hard with no help or no assistance or support. So I never really blame my mom. My mom really helped me a lot. But when you're seeing stuff like that and you got the mindset, I got, or, you know, to protect your mom, you know, provide for your little brothers, and them, it's going to lead you to end up going to the drug dealer or, you know, dealing drugs, so you better help your family. Not saying it's wrong, not saying it's not wrong, but the reason of, you know, doing the things that you do because you want to help. You see a bitch, you know, this mama laid on this, mama can't do this, mama doing the best she can. So what can you do? Now, there's so many things. Thank you um and one thanks for being open with your life i mean my
0: my goal here is i mean it's several things but when we're talking about something like this i want some people that don't know about your particular life to put themselves in your shoes because I, I mean i think that's that's something that we need more today than than ever because everybody's divided on things and with this whole problem we're talking about you know youth gangs and violence and incarceration that's as real as it gets. I mean, you see everything on the news like that. So yes, it's easy to to take some young brothers that kind of fit a certain stereotype and say, man, no, they're just all bad, they ain't no good, they ain't never gonna make it. And to be honest, I've seen a lot of people within the system say that about, about y'all, oh, they're all liars, can't mm-hmm. count on them, man, they'll, they'll steal from. Them. These are people that are supposed to be helping, like on the inside, you know, that are saying that about young brothers. But, okay, so one moment this morning we were talking, no, when you were talking, and you did such a great job of, of asking the, the kids, we spoke at a school this morning, and uh, man, you, you listened to the question, you called on the kids, you, you called on them by name, but at one point you were talking about how your mom was 14, okay, that's easy to hear that, and then just move on, to the, okay, let's talk about the next thing, but then you asked that kid, you said, how old are you, and he said, I'm 14, And I was trying to imagine him being a father at 14. That's kind of hard to imagine. What? I mean, it really is. But then I also thought there were several things about what you just said. I put down, it's kind of like a lot of the young men I'm working with, they didn't get to have a childhood. I remember, you know, we have a common friend named Christopher. And I remember that time we we had this big water day out on the yard and there was a slip and slide and there was like this little pool. And then we had... Uh, water fights, you know. That was the first day, I probably got to talk to you because you yeah. weren't getting in the uh, balloon water balloon fights. Nah. everybody ganged up on me, and they just, you know. So it was a good time to get know each other. But I remember w- with with Chris, he was standing at the the top of the slip and slide, and he said, "Hey, everybody, I'm about to be a kid." It was like he was celebrating the fact that I'm about to act like a kid. Yeah. And most people would say he is a kid, but he's not. He's a grown man. Because
1: he never got a chance.
0: chance. So, what does that kind of pressure feel like to be? I mean, what I'm hearing is mom wasn't able to make it ends meet. So, it was up to me because I was the oldest. I got to get out and earn. Well, (laughs) there's one way to earn. I mean, you said your whole world was not Georgia and other states and cities, it was just that neighborhood. That was all you saw and all you experienced. I think people need to think about that. So what was it about that? Okay, I got to step up from my mom, but you, you mentioned a, a male role model. Tell me about that first male role model, and then I want to talk about how the streets pull a young brother that, that doesn't have what a lot of the people had. But what was it? You don't have to say his name or anything, but tell us about that first guy that got your attention.
1: So the male role model that I had looked up to was a person who had money. He had respect. People respect him. Um, nobody was gonna disrespect him he know how to conduct himself when people come around even though he was a drug dealer he did you know whatever he did he still knew how to conduct himself when it come to public or going out places and things of that nature he carried himself with discipline like i seen myself in him and i was like man one day i'm gonna be like him and in my lifetime i ended up becoming him even though it didn't last long but I had reached that goal that I had set out for myself because I thought that was all I knew. When it's something, it's like if you're in a cage and you never come out the cage and all you have is gorillas in the cage, you're not going to know that it's monkeys over there in the other cage. (laughs) So those are the only people that we really looked up to or, you know, just poured us in or tried to help us or make us feel like we were loved. And then how did he, uh, you told me some
0: things about Maybe he would come out and, and watch you you play ball, or he would be there. He kind of yeah. he kind of stepped into that role of the of the strong male no. role model. Yeah. But family. it wasn't all bad, was it? I mean, he was no. taking care of a young guy, but then again, it led you to another.
1: Led you to another. I mean, did you, did
0: you feel like man, this this brother's loving me, and and it wasn't just I want that money. Yeah. It's like you wanted family. You know, so, yeah, tell me besides, about
1: that. Besides my mom and my two little brothers, that's all I had. So when it came to an older guy trying to show me love or teach me or guide me, like that's all I wanted because I wanted my father. So I was missing that void from my father and I tried to fill that void with someone else. So he, he was the only person that really showed me love. Like when it came to playing basketball and doing better or working on my skills, like he would sit out there for hours, just throw me the ball, let me shoot, teach me how to do this, keep going there, run, run up the hill, come back down the hill, keep going. Give me a Gatorade, things like that. What my father's supposed to do, so I'm going to look up to him. So when it times for me to return the favor or do anything in return, I'm looking like, hey, I'm not looking like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. He's been helping me. He's been coming to my football game, my basketball game. He even me with my homework if I need to. So that's love. Like, I don't know, he felt like family.
0: Now, that makes sense. It's like um,
1: you don't know what you don't
0: know. I mean, you know what you saw growing up, that was normal for you. And then me growing up, you know, up here, it was, my normal was different. But I think that's important to be said is that this brother, yeah, I mean, he was, he's a drug dealer, right? He was in that life and everything that comes with that life. And, but he's paying attention to this young, this young man that needs something, right? Right. And we were talking about a little while ago, young people, I don't care where you go to or what color your skin is or economics or whatever, mm-hmm. when you're 12, 13, 14, you're looking for, where do I belong? Where do I fit in? Man, where's my family? And in a lot of places, that can be easy. It's just use sports, you know, you, or you get that at school. But there was a time where going to school wasn't a smart move, was it? I mean, we're all, we're telling kids, stay in school, stay off those streets don't do drugs, okay? So that's the big, you know, stay in yeah. school, out of the streets. And you're saying, "Nah, here's a brother from the streets that showed me love, and then when you said return the favor, you know, if he asked me to do a little errand for him, you're not going to be like, no, nah, that's bad. You're saying, "Nah, that's my role model, man. He He's helping. He's putting money on our table, whatever yeah. it is. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to do that. But then you got to a certain point, where school what were you about 15 16 where yeah, it was time 15, just to 16. not be there for a minute and but tell me about that and tell me about what the streets what did the streets have to offer that got you out of school and then working and doing that thing yeah what was it that so pulled you
1: growing up in school in high school you know you're taking all those classes you got six or seven periods and things of that nature but you're really not even making even money you're growing up you're seeing the guys with the new sneaker. Coming in with the people who are more fortunate and then the people who are less fortunate wearing Goodwill, Skechers, um, hand-me-downs, and things like that. So when you go to school and you looking like they call it a bomb or you're not looking so decent, you get to looking at everybody else with the new J's that come out every week. You want that same stuff, too. Your mama, she doing the best she can, not saying y'all are poor, but she making ends meet. She living paycheck to paycheck. She doing all she can, so you got to appreciate that. You can't ask for no more of her because... That's all she got. That, that she gonna give you the world, but she ain't got no more to give. So then you get to thinking like, how can I get some more money? You growing up, you ain't really old enough for a job. You could be able to get a job at like fifteen. But nowadays, it's safer to be not at school than to be in school. Like even with the COVID situation, people still bring guns to school, sell drugs in the bathroom. Like anything can happen. It's a it's a lot of people. It's a population in the school. So. Anything can happen, so I just feel like at that time when I was going through, you know, what I was going through, I feel like it wasn't safe to come to school. Because if you get to say, for instance, you go to the rec, you get to fight with this guy, and then you end up beating him up. People don't know how to take L's or, you know, hey man, you got me, man, good job, man, that was a good lick. Nah, people want to come back and kill you, and then if they go to they school, they gonna get their buddies at school to try to come beat you up or horn you and stuff like that. And there's probably 10 of them, and there's only one person. So yeah, you probably want to go to school, but you fear for your life, so you're not even gonna to go to school. Or if then if they put so much fear in you, and you are so scared, you might try to bring a gun or something just to be able to protect yourself. But you're wrong; is wrong. Right is right. You feel me? But when somebody's trying to horn you, like you're scared, you're young, you're young, you growing up, so you really don't really know what to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 putting myself in your shoes, and I've been saying for a long time that judgment and you know, criticism happens at a distance. But once you get close enough to hear another brother's journey, Mm -hmm. and what you're allowing me to do is walk in your shoes for a minute, how am I going to judge? Because I can't, Mm -hmm. I don't see, you know, you're a young man with a lot of pressure. Mom's overwhelmed. You got drama at school. You're trying, you can't get a job because you're not old enough. And now all of a sudden you got this, this big brother, this older man paying a little extra attention to you, taking care of some of your basic needs. And I've been saying that. Gangs are doing a whole lot more for kids on the street than churches are. You know, you got a young brother doesn't have, and all of a sudden he's got shoes on his feet, some nice looking clothes. All of a sudden he's hanging with girls because of all his new friends hanging out with the girls. You got a little money in your pocket. And you're protected. Just say no doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? Uh You found family. You found somebody that will not only die for you, they'll never leave you. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just letting the the viewer, the listener kind of feel that it's not as simple as, no, these are just bad kids that are going doing bad things. Um, how much money, let's say at 12, 13 years old, catch you on just any old day? What, what kind of money you got walking around with?
1: Probably 2500 a month. You're going to make four reps, probably a little bit over. So you're going to make about $1,000 a week. Now, this was an epiphany we had a
0: few minutes ago. Yeah. We were kind of chopping it up back there, I guess, in the green room. Yeah. <laughs> is, okay, you got this kid, 12 or 13. Now, you, you do the math. If he's making about $1,000 a week. That's 50000 a year. He's making more, that kid, than the officer is that's chasing him. Yeah, the police is that officer. For, is that for real?
1: Yeah, they make about $40,000. you making $50,000. You're making fifty at you're 13. But $12,000, 13, so you're feeling good. You can't tell that guy not to go continue to do what he do. He making 50000 a year. and he able to help his mama and help his little brother buy new clothes and shoes? It's going to be kind of hard to say no unless you're bringing something else to the table that's going to be seen better than this or have more stability. But if you ain't came out that hood, you ain't going to see nothing better. That's all you know. Wow. See,
0: I mean, I respect that right there. All right, let's, let's, put, uh, let's put the people in Eastman. All right. Let's let's describe Eastman. What's that look like? From the time you get off the bus, to just life at Eastman. So help somebody understand that maybe doesn't understand.
1: Life is life at Eastman is a juvenile detention, center. but it used to be a female prison. So it's already a prison, anyways. Like the way it's set up, and the way it's set up is already a prison. But then also when you walk into um, when you walk into Eastman. The colors, like colors mean some bright colors make me happy, but dark colors, they make me sad. Do something to your mood. So like all the walls, they're dark colors, like burgundy, you know, things that'll get you sad, dark blue, they ain't got a pink or something that, you know, when you wake up and see it, it's gonna, do. you know, do something to your, to your intelligence or things of that nature. Okay. So when you go in there, it's already, so when you get your stuff, you know, you get your, um, you get your hygiene, you know, things you need to be able to live from um, day to day, and then you get down to the unit. So already, it's already the female prison. And then it's people that's bigger than you because they've been there for five years, six years, three years. So they've been eating healthy. You know, in juvenile, you eat nutrients and stuff like that, and you get to go to rec every day. So you build building, you know, you're exercising. You know, you're getting bigger. You're growing into yourself. So. so it's always people who want to feel like men, a lot of men, they're misled. So they always got to feel like they got to be a big dog, you know, pride, you know, everybody deals with that, but especially when the black young men is more deeper, you know, trying to prove a point. So when you're going in there and you got, what, 30 people on the dorm or 20 people on the dorm and then you come and folks asking you, hey, man, where you from, man, what you locked up for? Things like that. If you don't say the right thing, they're going to go and beat you up from the get go. So sometimes you probably got to prove yourself, not necessarily you're crashing out or doing things you don't want to do, but if you don't get the fighting or you don't protect yourself or show somebody you're not someone to be played with, then you will be taken advantage of, you know, bullied every day, you know, tortured, taking your food, things of that nature. So you ain't got no choice but to stand up for yourself or pick a fight with someone else so you ain't got a word, you'll have a clean, you know a clean slate, so it make you do stuff that you wouldn't normally do, but you have no choice in those type of situations. Some type of situations, you ain't got the right to, well, you always got a choice, don't get me wrong, but say if somebody keep being in my face, you know, keep taking my food every day, I'm telling, hey, man, stop taking my food, man, I want my food, and I keep telling him, hey, man, this ain't what you want going on about your business, and I keep doing that, but he been taking my food but for about a month. Now when I decide to beat him up, now I'm wrong, say if I beat him up, if I ain't no beat him up because I know I can fight, and then he hit his head and have a concussion, I'm still gonna get in trouble. But he been bullying me the whole time and I ain't have no choice, what else I'm gonna do? I can't tell the officer, even if you do tell the officer, nine times 10, they ain't gonna see it because there's so many people. There's only one person on the unit watching 30 people. Anything can happen. So with that being said, if I do defend myself, I gotta be careful not to defend myself too much or overdo it or I'm still gonna get in trouble.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Um so gosh we got we got so many young brothers that are getting caught up it's it's not hard to catch trouble anymore I mean mm-hmm. not in the uh, the current state of yeah, affairs yes, right yeah. so I mean, once you're in there and it sounded like by the time you went, it's not like you were real scared getting off that bus mm-hmm. like a lot of kids
1: are. Why is that because it's already became normal like like, growing up in the streets, you're going to learn a lot of stuff. You stand on your ten toes as a man. So if you already learned that from the streets when you go to jail, like, you ain't got to be something you're not. You just got to stand on your ten toes and just re- just respect. As long as you don't mess with nobody, ain't nobody going to mess with you. But when it's time for you to defend yourself or anything like that, you have to stand on your ten toes. If you do that, it'll be more easy. It's just like respecting you as a man. Yeah, absolutely. If y'all let somebody else take your food, how am I going to respect you? but if that guy try to take my food and I stand up for myself, it's gonna be more easy for you. So respect goes everywhere.
0: I've shared um, with our viewers a lot about my journey on recovery from Mm -hmm. alcohol and drugs and what that did to my life. And in recovery, um, there's a saying that that an addict or an alcoholic gets to the point where they have a, a moment of clarity. And it's like with all the craziness going on, you have this clear moment like, man, I could change, and I could I could get out of this and, and never come back to it and, and mm-hmm. have the, lo- the life that I dream of. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's very similar with, with, I mean, I've worked with thousands of incarcerated individuals, but the ones that really do good not only have that moment, but then they get out and they do what they say they're going to do, and that's what I'm witnessing with you. Mm-hmm. So do you remember a moment like that? Like when you made a decision, all right, enough's enough, I'm done. Yeah,
1: I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, there came a time it was closer to December, it was rental time getting kinda cold. I was kinda sad, you know, in my feelings, thinking and stuff like that. Locked but up or not? I was incarcerated. Okay. I'm sorry. I got was you. incarcerated. Yeah, I got you. So I was in a room, it was nighttime, probably around twelve o'clock. It was raining. It was raining, and I was in there beating on the bed pen or whatever. But my homeboy had just died. Like I had just got a phone call that he just passed away. He had got shot and killed. So after that, I was just like, I'm done. Like, I'm done with the streets. I'm done doing the same thing. Like, I gotta try something different. Yeah, I'm gonna try something with all I got. And if it don't work, then it is what it is. But I gotta try something new. Like, I just gotta give it my all. Don't try to halfway do it and be on both sides of the fence. So what made me change was he repeatedly getting chance after chance, chance after chance, kept on getting out of jail, going back in jail, you know, trying to move smart, putting something in the trunk. Or doing it this way or not going there but sending the hit. Or, you know, what, whatever. Kinda like trying you know. to be a better criminal. Yeah, trying to be a better criminal. But <laughs> yeah, it really won't get him nowhere. Cause even like Corma gonna catch up with you. So if you are doing that either way, you may get locked up for something you didn't do, but you've been doing wrong the whole time. So it's gonna all fit it's gonna always come back to his own two things in the street, jail or death. So if you keep doing what you're doing, no matter how smart now no, no matter how smart you do it, you're eventually gonna get caught. So it's just better not even do it. Because I had been in jail a couple of times. So it's like, this is my third time getting locked up. I'm going to get out and try to do it smarter. I'm still going to come out of jail either way. So you might as well just give your all and put all that pain in and something else that can help benefit you. So I knew then I made a promise to myself that I'm going to go 110. And I'm going to give it my all and I'm going to change. I'm going to do better no matter what. Ain't nothing going to stop.
0: I bet they heard that. It's yeah, like you got to <laughs> hear that. You heard that. Yeah. Yeah, because and and like I said, there's a lot of guys that say a lot of things. I'm gonna hit you up and never do. Yeah. And something else that that I'm, I don't know how you felt about this, but it was sincere with me. Is like um, when I start working a new prison, and the goal is to bring about peace. Okay, you got to find the most influential brothers. You were one of those guys, mm-hmm. but then you got to build a relationship. Um, which I started doing that. Like in the little breaks, we, I come over and chat you up, yeah. say, what's up fam? And then we, that's just getting to know each other and you yeah. were cool like that. You weren't trying to love, guys try to be hard, but you weren't, you were very easy to approach. But then I started getting advice from you about stuff. You remember that?
1: Yeah, I remember that.
0: Is that, is that rare?
1: A dude like me is, is coming to a young brother like you and getting advice? I mean, you always try to get advice, but just coming to somebody personally and getting advice, you really don't do but, that. But also, you give again, the advice.
0: Exactly. See, but I want you to see that this is not like a one-way street. I'm learning as much as I'm teaching, and you just happen to be a man of your word. And you, you've always shown up. Every time I've ever asked you, hey, you want to come, you say yes. You live two hours away. Yes, but sir. you 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 left it before the sun came up this morning to get up here and put Sixth in some— o'clock. Put in some good work, right Yes sir um, so I mean that that says a whole lot about you um, And then lastly, won't we wrap it with this? Here, well one thing I think is totally cool is mm-hmm. I have a dream and the one presently is we are going to change Eastman. okay well, I can have a dream all day long, but if I have anybody that, that help me and so I'm pr- actively praying for a guy like you now all of a sudden you're having your moment. Mm-hmm. In another prison, Sumter. Yeah, yeah. No. know. Um, uh, no, where were you at? I was at Aaron Coon. There you go. But anyway, you had this moment. Wintertime, about December. It's raining. Mm-hmm. It's the midnight, and you're, and all of a sudden, it's boom. You have your moment of clarity, and you get shipped to Eastman, and you happen to meet another man that's got a dream. Yeah. My dream don't work without yours,
1: and, and mine don't some work might without yours.
0: Right? It's it's like it's yeah. a win. That's what we call a win-win. And so, I mean, you're not just impacting those kids we talked to this morning. You're impacting everybody you meet one way or another. Yes, See, because what I figured out about you, you're going to be a leader somewhere. Whatever world yeah, you choose we'll to do. be in, yeah. I mean, that's all, you, that's all you know. God's touched you like that. He's given you something special. Yes, sir. So how are we going to protect it? Okay. One of the things that uh, we can close out with this. And, and you can, you know, maybe refer to what I'm saying. See, at, at Eastman, we set up a reward incentive system. Now, the state doesn't necessarily do that. No. And so we found out what was important to y'all. And what did you tell me when I said, man, what would make your time easier?
1: Y'all Game say, system, coming <laughs> off the unit more often, spade tournaments, basketball games, things of that nature. Stuff
0: you hadn't been getting. And uh, so they have video games on the compound, but they took them away and they hadn't given back. So we, we basically got Quez and some other influential guys to say, hey, let's make a difference and let's bring down some of the foolishness, and we made a deal with the warden that if you guys did that, then he would give you your games back. Okay. Now that seems like a little thing, but what it's teaching young men to do is when I put in good work, good things happen to me, and when good things come to me, I need to protect them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, How have you taken that to the free world so that this time will be different?
1: Um. So, you know, you taught me the small things matter, just how we're protecting that game system. I got to do the same thing with my freedom. I got to do the same thing with my family or anything like, anything that comes with your dream. If it, anything that I do, if it doesn't have, is just going to do better or contain or put into my dream, then I'm not going to do it because it's not going to benefit me in the long run. So with that being said, okay, so I'm in school, I'm in college or whatever. So, you know, sometimes I have a homeboy that be like, you know, let's go out to eat and go watch the game. You know, just just chill. But he'll ask me at 10 o'clock at night. I know tomorrow I got to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning. Do you want to go chill and eat wings and laugh and joke with him watching the game, or do you want to be a businessman, you know what I'm saying, or run your own business? So I got to pick and choose you. always got a choice. But that's not going to do nothing for me. After, you know, you have a good time, you know, probably let off a little steam, that's it. See, this right here is going to get me to bigger and better things and be able to elevate, especially of a black man growing up. So I got to choose, is it going to help my dream or is it going to mess up my dream? So matter what, no matter how many times you call my phone or if you want to get mad and not be my friend anymore just because I don't want to go out to eat with them or spend time because I have priorities on protecting my dream, then it's just what it's going to be. Because no matter what, no matter what, obstacle school comes or whatever tries to happen or whoever tried to interfere, I can't let it take away my dream I got to protect my dream at all costs
0: young people need to hear that man well I'm I'm so proud of you man and I want to give you a vision you know let's say 10 years from now you walk out on a stage and it ain't 40 people it's 2,000 people and you've built such a powerful life and and let me tell you the power of this dream the bigger the dream, the stronger the pull, and your dream is getting big, man. You got a taste of something this morning. It felt good, didn't it? Yeah, it felt it? good. Heck yeah, and uh, this man stood in front of the, the Department of Juvenile Justice Board of Directors and talked about his dream. I saw that. You, you, you stood up in front of dignitaries and mayors and police chiefs and everything at that big event we threw, and you were the one that stole the show. You had a standing O from a bunch of you know, important people is what yeah. we would say. No, you are the important people. But the power of your story is kind of a rags to riches kind of thing. And it's yeah. not that you didn't have the riches. You had the riches when you were 14. <laughs> you had more money in your pocket yeah. than most people. You know what I'm saying? Just as a young dude. Um, but now the dream you're building is so much more valuable, man. And you can grow old, family around you, make an impact, change a lot of people's lives. And so I wanna tell you in front of God and everybody that I'm not only proud of you, but I'm here for you. We got work to do. And for those that, that are watching and listening today, I want you to, to remember the next time you're tempted to judge somebody. It could be a young person that, you know, is doing something that you don't think is right. Or it could be, you know, you see something on TV or you watch something on the news and you say, those people, And when you're talking about those people, you're categorizing a whole, you know, race of people, age of people, you know, demographic, whatever it is. But once we walk a mile for a second, and I put myself in your shoes, I, I think my, I would have done a lot worse with my life than you have done with yours. At 19, you're young, man. But what you're doing is a big deal, and uh, there's a hero in there, man. And we'll kind of close with that. I told you, if you're going to do this, we were standing at Eastman in the yard. I remember like it was yesterday, and there was, remember guys were eating like hot dogs and watermelon or something, wasn't it? It was like a big day out there. And I said, if you're really going to do this, what did I say you're going to have to find inside of you?
1: You're going to have to find a hero.
0: Hero. And you're going to have to find some superpowers. And that's what you're doing. And the more you do what we did today, encourage people, motivate people, inspire people, man, your light just shines brighter. So keep up with good man. Thank you, man. I'm proud of you. Thank you for having me. All right. The power of peace. Hit subscribe, like the video, share it with somebody. Come back and join us for our next episode. Until I see you again, be the peace in this world that you want to see. Peace.